in your seat or in the pew in front of you, there's a blue card. If you could fill that out with some basic information so our staff can thank you for coming, that would be great. On the back of that blue card, you will see a place to put prayer requests. Anyone, guest or member, can write a prayer request down, and tomorrow morning, the staff will pray for each one of these. As the offering plate goes by here in a bit, feel free to drop that card in there. For now, I'm going to share a few announcements about what is going on in the church so you can know how to be involved. My first announcement is about Cultivate Girls. On September 24th from 6 to 8 p.m., the Cultivate is starting a new event called Cultivate Girls. This is an event for girls from 7th to 12th grade to come together and do some super fun activities. It will be held here at the church and food will be provided. You can sign up at fbccookville.org slash cultivate or by calling the church office. Also, if you sign up before this Friday, you'll be entered into a drawing for a poet's gift card, so you don't want to miss it. This month for Pray Give Go, we're highlighting the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board's Golden Offering. This is an opportunity for us as a church to partner with other Tennessee churches to bring the gospel to people who need it. Our goal as a church is to raise $8,000. Please pray about how God might be calling you to sacrificially give to this ministry. Lastly, I want to remind you of our discipleship groups. These are gender-specific groups of three to five people that meet weekly for the purpose of Bible study, memorization, and accountability. If you're interested in this, go sign up at fbccooksville.org slash discipleship or call the church office. All right, that's all the announcements I have for you today. Make sure and check the Chronicles for anything we didn't cover. If you're a guest here today, thank you so much for coming. Our heart at FBC is that we would desire God, disciple others, and devote ourselves to serve. I pray this service would help you in knowing who God is and what it looks like to worship him alongside the body of Christ. First Baptist, and I just want to thank you so much for being here. If you're a guest, we are so excited that you are here. Um, in front of you, and on your pew in front of you, you'll see a blue card. If you could just fill that out with some basic information, so we can know a little bit, a little bit about you. Thank you for coming. All the good stuff. That would be awesome. On the back of that blue card, there's a place for prayer requests, just like Hadley said. And so, anybody, if you're a guest or a member, whoever, just uh, put down any prayer requests you might have. And when the offering plate goes by here in just a bit. Drop that in there, and tomorrow morning as a staff, we're going to take time and pray over each and every one of those prayer requests. Um, a quick announcement I want to bring your attention to. Does everybody have their chronicles? Everybody get them? Yes, there's a lot of good stuff in here. <laughs> you should read it. A lot of great opportunities to be involved in the church. Um, one of those in here is Discover First Baptist. That's going to be next Sunday, immediately following uh, the 1045 service, so it'll be at noon. Um, and what Discover First Baptist is, is an opportunity for, uh, maybe if you're new to the church or you want to learn more about what First Baptist is, what we believe, how you can be involved. This is kind of a class and a lunch um, that explains all of those things. We can answer any questions you might have. And so if that sounds like something you might be interested in, just call the church office and say, you know, I want to come to Discover First Baptist with my wife or my husband or whoever that you want to bring with you, and we would love to have you come. Come join us for lunch next Sunday after church. So for right now, I'm going to pass it over to Deacon Chairman Greg Steves, extraordinaire, and he's going to take it from there. Morning, church. This time I'd like to invite uh, Lonnie and Jackie Donaldson and Harold and Margaret Garrett to join me up on the podium, if you would, please. This morning uh, we're recognizing Deacon Emeritus, and in your chronicles you'll see uh, pictures of three individuals. 
to whom we are awarding this this morning. Rick Cashin was not allowed, uh, able to stay with us uh, for the second service. <laughs> not allowed. Freudian slip. He, he wasn't able to stay, and so uh, most of you know who Rick is, but uh, congratulate him when you, when you get the opportunity. Last week uh, in your chronicles, you probably noticed an article on the front about faithfulness. And faithfulness is uh, an important quality. Uh, we, we strive to be that. And uh, the article started off with the first sentence said, uh, God rewards faithfulness. And I hope you uh, believe that, and uh, I do. And um, I mean, we all want to step into God's presence one day and hear him say those words, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. And so uh, I've asked myself different times, well, what does faithfulness mean? What is it? And that article covered a, a lot of good things, so you might want to revisit that if you get a chance. But a, a short definition that I've heard is, uh, is really, really helpful. It, uh, faithfulness is a long obedience in the same direction. That's pretty simple, isn't it? A long obedience in the same direction. Well, to be a candidate for deacon emeritus, uh, it, it requires that uh, you have served as a deacon, that you be retired, so having reached the age of 70 years old, and or served for 30 years as a deacon. So that's the long part of long obedience. Uh, that's quite a, a, a commitment. Uh, under the obedient part, I'd like to just share just a couple things about each of these uh, individuals who were awarding this to this morning. And Rick, like I said, uh, was not able to stay, but uh, Rick joined uh, the, the church in 1993, and he was married for 33 years until his wife Jean uh, graduated to heaven in 2002. And he was ordained here in the mid-90s, and he served as deacon's uh, secretary more than once and on various committees, and you, you quite often see him uh, perch from a camera or taking minutes in uh, church meetings. He served as our church clerk for quite a number of years and is still active that way. Uh, Lonnie Donaldson, uh, which side are you on, Lonnie? Lonnie to my left here, uh, my brother, uh, he joined the uh, First Baptist Church in 1972. And he's been married to Jackie for 57 years. That's pretty impressive. Isn't it? But Lonnie was ordained in Central Emmanuel Baptist Church in 1969. He served in uh, just about every committee in this church, including uh, being chair of the personnel committee, which uh, he, he was chairman when Brother Charlie Hutchinson was brought uh, to this church and also Brother Mike Head. So uh, what a unique distinction that is. And he's drove, uh, driven the bus for the youth for a number of years. So uh, servant heart, and I really appreciate Lonnie. Uh, Harold, to my right, has <laughs> also been married uh, for 57 years to his lovely wife, Margaret. <laughs> Harold joined First Baptist in 78, ordained in 89, and uh, he served, has served as vice chairman and secretary of the deacons. Uh, he's been on personnel, committee on committees, transportation, risk management. He's been a trustee and on the church council. And he's been a member of Lions Club and Data Processing Management Association, where he served as president. And Margaret says he's a peacemaker. 
a good listener and a wonderful, easygoing uh, man, and I would certainly attest to that. So I really appreciate you also, Harold. Uh, thank you. That, that is the obedience uh, component of the uh, long obedience in the same direction. So we would like to recognize these two and, and Rick as uh, for their faithful service. Uh, First Baptist Church and the Kingdom of Christ are better places uh, because of their service. So would you join me in uh, thanking them for their service? Deacon Emeritus. Thank you, everybody. We are glad that you're here this morning. If you would, just stand up and welcome those that are around you right now.
magnificent, marvelous, matchless love.
magnificent and marvelous and matchless love. Um, nothing else compares in this world to it because, Lord, nothing compares to you. Nothing compares to your greatness. Nothing compares to your glory. Uh, Lord, in fact, the, the, your word says just to be still and know that you are God. And, Lord, that's what we want to do this morning, God, is just to be in your presence, to know that you are God, to experience your glory, to experience your peace and your love. So this morning, Lord, would, would you just minister to us? Would you speak to our hearts as the choir sings and as Scott comes to preach a bit later? Um, Lord, just speak to our hearts and allow us to be in your presence. Uh, and Lord, as you're here, I pray that we would recognize it, Lord, that our minds would not be so full of everything else going on uh, in our lives, that we can, we can still ourselves and reflect on you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
church, we've uh, we can stand still and see His glory. Amen. It's uh, it's awesome just to pause in life and just stand still and see the glory of God in in the world around us and the things that are happening and just to pause long enough in a day just to see the glory of God unfold before us. I think a lot of times in our life we rush through life and we miss the glory of God. Nothing like just pausing early in the morning, spending time with God and seeing His glory. Nothing like pausing late in the evening when the sun's setting and see His glory. We can see the glory of God. He tells us, be still and know that I'm God. He is God Almighty, whether we admit it or not, He is God, regardless of our reaction. But boy, when we come to the place where we just stand still and see His glory, it is amazing to watch that glory unfold before us. And this morning, we, we come to a place where we just stand still and see His glory. We, we come to a very special time in the life of every church, and, and, and it's been my, my call and my min- the ministry God's called me to, to, to spend time at this time at the table, just to stand still and see His glory. We focus every aspect of this service around time and communion with Christ and, and, and taking of the bread and, and taking of the juice and and, and recognizing what that means in our life. So um, what, what a time we have together. Prepare our hearts this morning to stand still and see His glory and, and all that God did uh, through the resurrection of Christ on the cross at Calvary and the death that He died for us, the, the, the shed blood that covered our sin. Now, all of that, we, we have a reason to celebrate this morning. Amen, church? So as we uh, are gathered, I'd encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. That's where our text will come from this morning as we uh, spend time communing with God, uh, standing still and seeing His glory and just communing with Him. Uh, Matthew uh, tells us here towards the end of the book, it it starts revealing to us uh, how the last hours of Christ's life unfolds. And we see uh, the band of disciples come together in a very special place. They gather with one another, and they spend a very intimate time together, conversing and, and sharing of their, their time and their hearts with each other. And uh, we, we call this time now, as we look back on it, a time of communion. So what, what is communion? What, what really is communion? Well, there's no communion without union. We have to have a union with Christ. And, and when we commune with Him, that means we've been united with Him, uh, through the work that Christ did on the cross at Calvary, through the resurrection of Jesus and God calling us into a relationship, we can ask God to forgive us of our sins. We can surrender our life to Him and be, uh, be given new life. We're, we go from death, as we studied this morning in a small group, we go from death, which we were dead men, dead women, dead in our trespasses and sin, and we go from death to life. And coming to life, that, that brings a union with us, with Christ, that never fades, that always lasts into eternity. We are now united with Christ, and we have a union with Him, so we can commune with Him, we can communicate with Him, we can walk with Him, and, and do life with Him. And uh, the, these guys came to a place in their life, at three years into their journey with Christ, where they commune together in this upper room, hours before the death of Christ. I want us to read together what that looks like. And and before I do that, I just want to give you a a definition of communion to put on our hearts. Communion is the sharing or exchange of intimate thoughts and feelings 
especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. So it's the sharing and exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings on a, in this case, in a spiritual level. So they're in a spiritual level. They're sharing and communing on these intimate thoughts and, and these feelings. And uh, they've come together around this time of communing with one another. And uh, I want to show you a couple of things this morning. Just two things I want to draw out of this text. The, the first thing we'll see as we walk through this text this morning is that communion with Christ brought the opportunity for confession for sin. Communion with Christ brought forth the opportunity for confession of sin. And communion with Christ also brought forth the opportunity to condition the lives of the disciples for what lie ahead. So if you will stand with me and let's read Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 20. Now when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples. As they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, that one of you will betray me, being deeply grieved that each one began saying to him, Surely not I, Lord. And he answered, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go, just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. And Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it all, or drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Father, we thank you for your love and thank you for the, the privilege that we have this morning to come together with you and commune with you, Father, in this setting as, as brothers and sisters of Christ, of you, Lord. We, we gather in your name. We gather to worship you. We gather to exalt your name on high. And make very much of you today, Jesus. And God, it's just a, an awesome thing that we can stand in your presence this morning, God. Knowing that you have done a work on Calvary that has completely freed us from the sin that we have experienced in our life and the shame. And uh, Lord, we can live knowing that we have an eternal relationship with you. So Father, I thank you for that assurance. I thank you for your love. And God, I just pray that in this time of of communing with you, Father, if there's things in our life that we need to be convicted of. Father, if there's sin that is residing in our life, convict us, Father. Let us confess that sin today. And God, let us be prepared for whatever lies ahead through communing with you. You'll condition our life as you did theirs for what lie ahead. But God, let us not overlook what you're doing. God, move in our hearts this morning, I pray and ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. So communion with Christ is an opportunity for the confession of sin. And we see that these guys had come together with this special intimate time. They were gathered together in this place and their ministry had led them to this moment. I mean, all of the things that they had gone through for these three, two, two and a half, three years or so that they had journeyed with Christ brought them to this place. They had seen awesome miracles done by King Jesus and 
They'd heard him say, hey, this is the way this is going to go down. I am going to die for you. I will be, I'll be crucified on the cross, and, and I will shed my blood uh, to cover the sin of mankind. They understood that. They knew from the Old Testament that everything had pointed to the Messiah coming. So they were in, in preparation for this time, and it was a special time, and they'd come together, and, and their hearts should have been all together as they were all together in this one place, communing with Christ. Jesus brought forth um, the, the conviction over sin, though. He, it, it, was, it was in the room, and, and Jesus knew it was in the room. There was, con, there was sin in the room, and, and it needed to be brought out. And, and so in this time of communion, Jesus, in His love, in His grace, mercy, and the righteousness of Christ, He let it be known that there was sin in the life of Judas. He, he brought it out, laid it on the table. He said, you know, there's one of you in here that's going to betray me. And though Judas had this opportunity to commune with Christ at an honest level, he chose not to. And we see there in verse 22 where it says, Being deeply grieved, they each one began saying, Surely not I, Lord. So all of them around the room were saying, Not I, not I, not I. And then we see in verse 25, And Judas, who was betraying him, called out right there, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. And Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Judas knew what he was preparing to do. Jesus knew what Judas was preparing to do. And Jesus gave Judas an opportunity to repent of that sin and turn from his ways. However, Judas did not. Uh, the, The opportunity for him to come clean was right there before his eyes. Not all communion with Christ is honest communion. Let's just be honest with ourselves today. Not not all of the time do we come before Christ with honest confession and and honesty of our life. But we must realize that Jesus knows everything about us. He knows every thought. He knows every action. There's nothing in my life or your life that surprises King Jesus. He knows us. He knew Judas. Judas. Now, if we were in that situation, I'm going to step out on a limb here, but I can speak for myself, and I think I'm going to speak for most of us in this room, probably all of us. If we had the knowledge that Jesus had, Jesus knew that Judas was going to throw him under the bus. Jesus knew that Judas would betray him that evening. Knowing that, he reached his hand out to him and shared a very intimate time with him and gave him the opportunity to make a different track for his life. You know, when we sit in this time, we come before a time of communing with Christ. I mean, listen, Jesus is with us. Jesus is not some distant God that spun this world into motion and turned his back on humanity. Jesus is intimately involved in our lives. As intimately as we will allow Him to be in our life, He is in our life. And we can commune with Him right now, but it means that we must honestly commune with Him. And when we come into the presence of the most holy God, we see His righteousness. And in seeing clearly His righteousness, us should shine a bright light on our sinfulness. And all of us in this room have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have the capacity to sin. All of us can sin in in, in many ways. So when we recognize that about us and we analyze our life, we come before Christ communing with Him. It is imperative, folks. It is imperative 
that we lay forth the sin that's in our life before Jesus. And don't hide it, don't lie about it, add sin to sin, but say, oh yes, when I come into your presence, God, I've got to admit, this you know about me, and this is my struggle, or these are my struggles. And Lord Jesus, I beg of you to forgive me of my sin. And I beg of you, Lord, to clean my life up, redirect my life, Father, that I would not continue in the same path that I have been, but I would walk into a new way. So we, we see that, that Judas had that opportunity. The conviction of sin was there. But Judas didn't, didn't, didn't give in. And, and sin will keep us from having honest confession and communion with God. But Christ came to free us from that sin and give us a an intimate personal relationship. I think there are many people in this world that, that honestly they don't like to come to church or they don't like to, they, they would even deny there's a God. Why would people deny there's a God? Because it's hard to live in repetitive sin and admit that there's a holy God. So it's easier to deny God in, in the flesh than it is to Except the fact that we're sinners and God has a righteous call on our life. So Judas sitting there, he would, he would deny. I believe, I believe fully if we were to walk in that room and say, Judas, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? I believe fully that night Judas would have said, nope. Because if he could deny that in his heart, he could carry out the sinful desires that were within him. And if you and I can get in a place where we deny that there's a God, then we can carry out any sin and view it as no consequence. But there is consequence to sin. And we have a Savior who is calling us to confess sin. When we confess our sin, oh, He cleans us up. He does away with it. He covers it. It's gone as far as the east is from the west. It is taken care of completely. It is finished when we confess our sin. The goal of our life should be to never enter into that sin again. Not to abuse the grace of God, but to live in the mercy and grace that He gives. So the conviction of sin was there that night. And when we commune with Christ, there, there should be conviction in our life to convict us of the things that need to be changed in our life, the sin we need to confess. But if we continue to read through this text, we see in, uh, in verse 30, after singing a hymn, they went out, to the Mount, Mount of Olives. Verse 31 says, Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, that this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. All the disciples said the same thing too. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. 
yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, saying, Father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand that the Son of Man is is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. Communion brought an opportunity. The time that they were together in that upper room, that communion time brought the opportunity for them to be conditioned for what lie ahead of them. Now, they did not know the journey that was ahead. You and I don't know what's going to happen in the next second, five seconds, five days. We don't know. We have no real understanding of what lies in front of us. But God does. And, and Jesus had included them in the conversation of what was going to happen. This was just before the pinnacle of Christ's time here on earth. He was going to go to the cross of Calvary for us. And, and he, he wanted His men to be banded together and conditioned for this. But he knew their weakness. And he even told them, said, Before the rooster crows, Peter, you'll deny me three times. But he invited them into an opportunity of deep communion with the Father through prayer. And they fell asleep. Three times they denied the opportunity that they had to pray. And they slept. Three times. God was trying to condition them. Just imagine with me if these men would have just gone in with Jesus and fell on their face before the Lord and prayed for the situation, prayed for the one who would betray, prayed for those who would would go through with such a horrible feat. If they would have prayed, if they would have been passionate about their time with God in that moment, Jesus would have still gone to the cross. He still would have died for our sins. That would have been accomplished on Calvary, no doubt but they might have stayed together. They might have been there with their Lord through this process. But they didn't pray. They slept. They missed an opportunity to commune at a deep level and be conditioned for what was coming. They missed it. Jesus prayed, not my will, God, but your will. He knew what was fixing to happen in his flesh. He knew it would be horrible. He knew the weight of what he was fixing to carry. But he taught us in that, that it's not our will that's to be done, but it's God's will to be done. He knew the value of following through with God's will. And as, as we're engaged in communion with the Lord, are we... Are we asleep or are we being conditioned for what lies ahead? Are we in tune really with what's going on and and what God has for our future? The disciples, as they look back on that night, they missed the opportunity to be in a a great time of communion with God extended into the Garden of Gethsemane. And and I'm sure Judas looked back at that night and said, I missed the opportunity to confess and, and, and change the course. 
I pray that we would not look back after this moment and say, I could have confessed. I could have drawn closer in communion. I could have been conditioned for what's coming up. But we would lay our life before the Lord. So many things are accomplished when we draw near to God. In fact, James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 tells us if we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. Draw near to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. That should be excellent news to every one of us in this room this morning because we recognize Satan is a reality and he is out to destroy us. But if we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. If we resist the devil, he will flee. I'm telling you, no sin has overtaken a man that he didn't have the opportunity to exit without sinning. Because God always gives us the opportunity. He gives us a way out so that we do not fall to sin. Praise God for that. But I will tell you, it takes, first of all, us confessing and getting right with Jesus and opening up that line of communication deeply and staying in communion with Him so that we are conditioned for whatever comes. I find the times of the the greatest failures of my life are when I'm not conditioned for what's coming when I haven't spent time intimately as I should with the Father. Can can I hear an amen in your life? You ever done that? We have to recognize, though, that we are vulnerable. We are capable of sinning. And when we distance ourselves from that intimate communion with God, we position ourselves for the fall. So we have this opportunity. Let Let me ask you, what is keeping you from the Lord, from communion with the Lord? What is really keeping you individually What's in your life right now that is keeping you from close, intimate communion with God? What sin is in your life that you know is a hindrance between you and and that conversation with God? Because you really don't want to talk to God about it. But let me just say, if you'll just lay it before the Lord right now and say, God, I ask you to forgive me for this. He will forgive you. He is righteous. He is capable of forgiving you of any sin. He'll separate as far as the east is from the west. So far I've separated you from your transgression, Psalm one three twelve tells us. So He wants to separate you from that sin. He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to walk in victory. And He wants to condition you for what's coming. So what's keeping you from being conditioned for the future? What's keeping you? Honestly, what is keeping you? Do, do you... Are you living your life like Judas and you got sin you're just not confessing? Or are you living your life like the disciples and you're just falling asleep at the wheel? Wherever you are, God's calling us into a, an intimate, personal relationship. He, con- he convicts us so we can confess it. And He calls us deep into co- communion so that we can walk in that conditioning atmosphere of Him preparing us for what lies ahead. We're going to have a time of invitation at this moment and Before we share and distribute the the Lord's Supper here today, I want us to have an opportunity to confess. I want us to have an opportunity to commune truly with God. I want us to place our lives before Him this morning. As a body of believers, I wouldn't want us to miss this opportunity. So we're going to have a time of invitation, and, and you can come forward during that time. You can pray at the altars. You can speak to a minister. We're here for you. But I'll tell you this. Before we can take communion and, and really take communion, we must know that we have a relationship with Jesus first and foremost. You, you can't remember what Jesus has done if you haven't accepted what Jesus has done and surrendered your life to Him. 
So it means that we, we surrender our life to Jesus first and foremost. So my call to you will be, brother, sister, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, communion is never going to happen for you unless right now you yield your life to Jesus. Confess your sin. Accept the work of Calvary, the blood that was shed for you, the body that was broken for you, and you begin that intimate personal relationship with Jesus that he longs to have with you. No sin separates us from God, that which is confessed. If we don't confess it, it separates us. But if we'll confess it, he'll bring us near. So where are you as a, maybe you're here tonight, today and you say, I, I'm a believer, I, I love Jesus, I know Jesus, I've given him my life, but I'll tell you, I've been asleep at the wheel. Why don't you talk to Jesus today about that? Say, Lord, I, I, I want to commune more intimately with you on a regular basis. Daily, I want to be with you in prayer. Help me, Lord, in that relationship to commune and know you deeply. If you will, stand with me. We're going we're gonna to have this time of invitation. It's your time. The ministers will be up front. We're here for you. And the altars are open so you can come pray. If God's calling you to join this church, we'd love to talk with you about that at this time as well. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for offering us the opportunity to be in a relationship intimately and personally with you. Draw our hearts, Lord, to the decision we need to make right now. God, I pray that everyone here would be close and clean with you in our life right now. Move in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You move as God leads. We're here for you.
through uh, taking of the, com- the communion time today and the, the bread and what it, re- it reminds us of and the, the fruit of the vine, what it reminds us of. And Jesus shared this intimate time with his disciples. Our deacons uh, are here to serve you. They always are. And this morning they'll be passing the elements around. And if you're here today and you want to partake, if you will, there's two cups. They're stacked together. So if you'll grab one and there's two together, pull both. Uh, that'll give you the bread and the juice, and then I'll instruct us as we complete serving everybody, then I'll, I'll call it all together as we partake together.